0: never in my life before have i been able to use the phrase all of humanity and mean it right and now we get to use that phrase not in some hyperbole or metaphorical ways but in actual real ways you know i was saying to you before that we need each other in ways that we never knew that we need each other i need you to wear a mask you need me to wear a mask so that We together can get through this, right? And yet there's something powerfully beautiful Mm. about that experience. I know that we have all been transformed Mm. by this experience, and the optimism is, for God's sake, maybe now we will understand what it means to put people ahead of profits.
1: Welcome to The Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. We started Reboot officially in July of 2014, just a few weeks after my six-year-old daughter was born. I am so incredibly proud of all we've done as a team. And it's so rewarding to be part of really an amazing group of people. I'm also, really proud and humbled by the work we get to do every day to support our clients, people who trust us to be part of their journeys. But I think what I am most proud of is to look and see the man and father I am today versus the man I was in July of 2014. I have come a long way in six years. I had to. I hear all the time from prospective clients and current clients, I need to grow the business. I need to grow my team. But what I've come to understand for them, for me, what I can see in my own journey as being part of Reboot, we have it backwards. When I think about the man who was part of launching Reboot in 2014 versus the man today, it's almost shocking. Yes, that man is still within me, but he's shifted to one who is more sure of his own goodness, his own worthiness, his own belonging. He's become a man who sees more choice in his life choice in how he shows up, choice in what drives him, choice in who he is. When I look in the mirror, I see a man today who is driven by a vision of the future, a vision of what he wants, what he stands for, versus a man who is driven by avoiding the pains of his past. Reboot has indeed grown quite a bit in the last six years, but I know that I've grown even more as a man. And here's what I've come to learn from myself. Something I see in my clients too. If you don't grow, your business won't grow. If you don't grow, your team won't grow. Our guest on the podcast today really helped clarify this for me. On the episode, he says, Being an entrepreneur is the best personal development program on the planet. Because unless you grow, your business won't grow. I couldn't agree more. I feel it myself. David Hyatt knows well, the Journey of an Entrepreneur, as a two-time founder and the current founder of Hyatt, a company that revived the denim industry in a small town of Cardigan, Wales. In this conversation, David and Jerry talk about the pain of selling a business unfinished, the passion around building a company focused on serving and caring for people, and how they see the number one driver of growth for an organization, the people's growth, including his own. Enjoy. Enjoy. It's been a tough season for leaders, not to mention the world at large. Some parts of the world are shifting back to pre-pandemic ways of life, while others continue to deal with the challenges and restrictions that time has brought. Regardless of context, many of the folks we work with continue to deal with exhaustion and burnout. And for those returning to some semblance of normalcy, the challenge of moving beyond a year's worth of trauma are harrowing. Once again this fall, the Reboot team will be facilitating a virtual retreat designed to help leaders reset, reconnect, with themselves and others, and build inner resilience. Join us this November for a unique experience that combines remotely facilitated time in nature, resilience practices, coaching exercises, and fellowship with other leaders doing their best to lead with grace, strength, and authenticity. You will leave with a greater awareness of your personal leadership habits and strategies for being the leader you want to be. To learn more or apply, Submit a scholarship request for the Reboot Weekend, head to Reboot.io slash weekend.
0: Hi, Dave. It's, it's a little bit of a fanboy kind of pleasure for me to look across my screen and see your smiling, somewhat shaggy-haired <laughs> uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why, don't, why don't you take a moment and just introduce yourself and tell us who you are and we'll dive right in. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh,
2: it's a pleasure, Jerry. Uh, my name is David Hyatt. I'm co-founder of Hyatt Denim Company. And I also uh, run uh, an events company also with Claire, my wife, called The Do Lectures, And we do that from um, uh, an old cow shed in West Wales.
0: I've actually been a fan of Hyatt denim for several years now since I stumbled upon a video and I was uh, coaching at Etsy when Chad Dickerson was the CEO. And I was so moved by that story. Now, it was great filmmaking, but um, I was so moved by what you'd done in this um a tiny, well, I'm imagining a smallish town of Cardigan, Wales. Mm-hmm. So give us a little bit of your origin story. What is Hyatt Denham? And I know you've probably said this a bazillion times, but say it yeah. one more time.
2: So Cardigan, West Wales, super remote, 4,000 people, more sheep than people, many more sheep than people. Oh. Um, beautiful, but... Small and quiet, but it used to have Britain's biggest um, jeans factory, um, mm. and nobody really knows why. Uh, but just did it made thirty-five thousand pairs of jeans a week for nearly forty years, and and so it was like it was a machine, and and it employed four hundred people in the town of four thousand, so by far the biggest employer in town. And and they were good at it. They were very very good at it. And it was the it was the last jeans factory to close in uh, in the UK. And it was profitable till the you know the last day. Um, mm. And it was incredible. And and, and suddenly that factory closed because it went somewhere cheaper, probably not better. Um, mm. But uh, and then four hundred world class makers had nothing to make. Mm. I visited the factory because I was doing another company at the time, and I was just going, oh my God, like this, uh, you know, when you see a, like a, an amazing athlete, and there's no, there's n- they were at, they're at incredible weight. They're so, like, they're so right for that sport at that time. And, and that factory was completely and utterly right. And, you know, like just in, it was an athlete. And uh, an incredible uh, machine, and and so you know the the lot of the workers were had left school, been there, got married there. You know mm. their children were working there. It was mm. a thing. It was mm. a big thing.
0: It was a big thing, and and then you at one point I imagine got it into your crazy head that you were going to uh, revive this factory. Well, Tell me about
2: that. I mean, uh, I'll just give you a very quick backstory because before that we were doing a company called Howie's and we ended up selling it. And, and, and to be honest, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. It sort of ended up sort of bittersweet. We sold it. We didn't really want to sell it. And, uh, and the people who bought it didn't really want to buy it. Um, and I sort of, uh, and I left the company. I didn't really want to leave the company and, and I sort of when I wrote a plan because I thought, well, actually, God, the town is really good at making jeans, and we're brand builders. Maybe those two things could come together. And I wrote a plan, and uh, I'll be honest, uh, I put it to one side, um, and I just went running for a year because I, I felt I felt like I was a little bit broken because I, I didn't really want to sell it. I ended up selling it, and and. I mean, it's, it's a classic founder story. There's something was missing in me and that was, I didn't really want to run around the same track twice. I felt, um, I I was, I was definitely hurting and, uh, it was a phone call I had with someone and they said, well, Dave, why aren't you doing the plan? Mm. And so I said, well, actually I, i said that i said i didn't want to run around the same track twice i'm feeling you know like i don't know why you want to do it uh anymore i know i can do it and he said yeah but it's actually not about you it's about the town and that in that moment i went i can do it for the town and uh and it was like a little i i know where i was standing i know what i was wearing i literally it was like a, a lightning bolt going through you and going yeah, I can do the town, and and interestingly, there was another thing that came into play, which was obviously the town had skills, I had skills, and, and so and every time I say I, I mean me and Claire, um,
0: Claire, but, Claire, your partner, your wife.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, but another thing came into play, which was the internet really had taken you know some big steps forward. And so I was literally, I found myself in the right town with the right, you know, amazing people at the right time. And I thought, okay, I, I think we could do this. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think I feel like, you know, after that phone call, I almost got my mojo back. Mm-hmm. And the, the town had lost its mojo. It lost its purpose.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, and And after, like, you know, selling Howie's to Timberland and it wasn't actually Timberland's fault. It was no one's fault. It was just the way it went. Um, I'd lost my mojo and suddenly I went, okay, we can do this. And, uh, but this time I'll take the lessons I learned. Mm. Um, and some of them were quite tough lessons to learn. Um, mm. and, and you will have heard this story, uh, many yeah. times the founder, you know, does a deal with somebody and it doesn't end like they want it to end and and, and that's called learning and, it, and it's fine. Mm.
0: It is fine, it is fine. I'm really curious about the lost mojo. How old were you?
2: Well, so I would have been 45 at the time. So mm. it was sort of classic.
0: Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, we're both smiling um, right now. It's yeah you know what what is dante's inferno midway through the journey of my life i found myself wholly lost in a dark wood
2: mm. um, and um it, it, it's it's a funny feeling where especially if you're driven and then it's not that you've lost the drive but you just don't know why to drive and, and it's a it's a odd feeling um, and I, I i mean we we saw Howie's Timeland. We could have sold it to lots of people. Um, there was high demand for it, but the the experience was an odd one. Where actually, what I learned was I actually really value my independence, and I've learned that that's more important to me than other stuff. And uh, so that was, you know, that was a, uh, an interesting learning. But my, my sister, who's also a nurse. You know, she said to me, "Well, I think you're grieving, Dave." And uh, and now, because I wasn't sleeping, you know, I was having headaches. uh, And she's going, "Yeah, I think you're grieving." And you put not just everything into that company; it was your identity. And and now, suddenly, your body's going like, "Okay, who am I then if I'm not a founder?" And so it's, um, and then you get stripped bare of that stuff. And and I think. Going through that process makes you much more interesting as a person because I think you suddenly um, you know, the ego is not fully put to one side, but it's it's really uh taught some really valuable lessons.
0: Oh, I, I completely agree with you. Uh you know, I'll do that annoying thing that authors say, which is preface everything with in my book. Um <laughs> and and i know you've read my book but yeah yeah, i haven't um, and and so in knowing that i know that you know that i have been in a similar place right Mm. and the the dissonance and the the uh, discomfort of having the ground taken from you um And and by the way, I don't think it's a coincidence. You you know, we tossed off the notion of midlife there. Mm. That's not a coincidence, right? There is that experience. And for some of us, and I suspect you're one of them, there's a kind of fork in the road that occurs as it relates to how will we deal with that moment of grief? Because Mm. I think, as I noted, your sister is wise, I think you were in a grieving state and there are those who grieve, who succumb, if you will, yes, to a kind of malaise and a grief and you moved in a different direction. Mm. Does that resonate with you?
2: Yeah, I know it does. And I think like, I think that's why your book really, really did hit uh, a very tender nerve because I could feel like you've been there too. And um, and it was, the way you write is incredible. I I can tell you read poetry and uh, because to get to that level of honesty is quite rare in a book. And, you know, getting back to your sort of question is, I think some of the questions I was asking myself is why can't I just pick the easy road? Um, oh. And I, and I'm just going because I'm going. Actually, the easy road would have been stay. I, I had this massive contract; it would have been fine. But I just couldn't. And uh, and it's uh, and the, the funny thing is, you you get to forty five. You say, "Oh, I got everything sorted. I'm all I'm, I'm all done. I'm all good." And right. and and then there's the other part of me is just going man, you haven't come this far to just do that and sell and uh, and be a pawn in their little game. Um, and then, you know, going back to that independence, I'm going, actually, that is actually really important. But the, uh, I did, uh, I don't, I'm sure you've done this thing of, like, asking yourself seven whys and getting to the, mm. you know, to, to the the some of the truth down the bottom, um, mm. which can get pretty interesting. But it was it. It was really, I didn't expect to get that answer because my dad was in the merchant Navy. And so he would work for three or six months and you know, then he'd be back for maybe three, four months. Um, and you know, so he's, he was here, he wasn't there. And actually when he was here, we had the best of times. And so you know, we lived in a street. Um, my friends would come and knock on the door to see if my dad was coming out to play because we used to play cricket. Oh. And, and so we'd have, so we had the whole street playing cricket and then, you know, we got a phone call or he got a phone call and, and then he had to go back. Mm-hmm. And and I, I always said to myself is I'm not going to let anybody you know, have any power over me. that They can make a phone call to me to tell me where to go.
0: And, and um, that was the birth. Least of all to yeah. leave, to leave my son and his friends yeah. to play cricket without me.
2: Yeah. That's, so the independence, the freedom is the thing that I play great a store on. And, um, and, and that's why you have to take the more difficult path, because yeah. you value that more clearly. And so then I understood why I had to take the more difficult path. Um,
0: I, I, I hear you. And well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the kind words about my book. Um, Again, coming from you, it means a lot to me. Mm. And um, to know that I care for words as much as I do and to know that that care is seen and recognized um, Mm. is is quite moving. Mm. But um, I wanted to circle back to something you were saying before. You were describing the loss of Mojo. And you were describing this town 400 workers, 4,000 people. Um, And you said that they had lost their purpose. And you also said that something was missing inside of you. Mm. And I get the connection to independence like you. um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've often told the story of watching my father lose his job, Mm. you know, in mid in midlife, and really vowing, for, in effect, for my own independence, my own entrepreneurial mm-hmm. endeavor, I was going to call the shots in my own life. Even at age ten, I knew that. Mm-hmm. And freedom, and even leaning into taking the difficult path, I totally resonate with all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like looking across the screen to a long lost brother in that way, <laughs> and I i would wonder if that part of the balm part of the medicine that you imbibed after the grieving period to begin the process of healing was purpose
2: yeah and it was uh and just to give you some context is and this is what i was and this is what i was feeling at the time and um there's nothing worse than walking out of your company knowing that you've half finished the job. Oh. And, and it was infuriating to me and I couldn't blame anybody. I wasn't angry at, you know, Timberland or whoever I was angry at myself because like, I, you know, I, I, I should have had more confidence to go and, you know, to fight for our independence. And, and therefore, because I knew like, like if you're going to build something great, you've got to, you know, there's, there's a frustration with founders, but there's a beauty with founders because they've got the heart and not always the brain, but they got the heart. And, and so it was like a real pent up frustration with myself. I'm going, well, we have finished the job, Dave. And it was really, um, yeah. And I can't dwell on it too much even now because I feel like, Whoa. But what I said to the team this time, I'm going, we're going to finish the job. And In, yeah,
0: you mean after launching Hyatt.
2: Yeah. And I'm going, you know, and I'm going this time we finish the job. And, uh, and we will complete the mission. And um so that that purpose, you know, was um it was and is the driver and um, if there's ever any weak moments or if there's some tough days, I just think about the team. One of the rare gifts of an entre- being an entrepreneur is to build a team and to be part of a team. And, and it's a special gift and it's a special time. And if you're lucky, even if you're a serial entrepreneur, you will build one or two extraordinary teams in your life if that. And, and when you do that, it's just the biggest gift to be able to work with them and you support each other. And, and I call it like that, like a Zen like team where actually you're all working for each other. And it's, it's such an extraordinary thing. And it's rare. It's so rare. And I, I mean, I'll I'll, sh- I'll share with you a sporting story, and I I don't actually know who told the story because I was in a car, and it was an English rugby player speaking, and which is hard for a Welshman because <laughs> there is nothing there is nothing better than being the English rugby team. Trust me, and um, he, and he he said uh he was being interviewed and he was asked a question and it was was winning the World Cup your you know, most defining moment? Mm. And he thought about it and he said, no, the defining moment was being in the tunnel with the team and we all said thank you to each other mm. because we all knew how hard we had worked to get there. And he said, and nobody spoke and they said thank you with a nod of the head and he said that was the moment because win or lose, we knew we'd given everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was almost crying as a Welshman to this English side. <laughs> I'm not going, to, I can't tell my friends that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, but uh, and and the, the uh, and actually, what he got to was for me, which is so like beautiful. There's a real beauty in teams. And 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 when you can get them to work well, and uh, and when you know get a zen-like state, and you go where you know everyone is as important as each other. You know, it's like a bike chain; every link is you know independent, you know, dependent on each other, and and it's a really beautiful thing. And, and that's the bit that I'm going. Yeah, you know, that's that's the bit of business I'm interested in. Yeah, in the community. What, what was the
0: relationship, what is the relationship between that insight, which uh, which I really resonate with, and, and I think of the teams that I have been a part of, and I think of my role as CEO, uh, you've helped me understand even more why I believe so firmly in Robert Greenleaf's concept of the servant leader. Yeah, yeah, Because because as, as CEOs, our job is not to actually tell people what to do, but to create the conditions for that team to arise, yeah. right? What is the relationship, though, between, say, that and that moment where your friend looked at you as you were lost, perhaps even in a dark wood, mm. and, and they said, well, hey, hold on, how about that plan that you put aside? Yeah, yeah. not you know, not for you, but for the community. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's that? Tell me about that relationship.
2: Well, it was, you know, you know, when a friend really asks you a question that you you know he knows the answer to, and you know the answer to, but nobody's asking it, and uh, and in a way, he really helped me because I knew the answer. But I was, I was, I was just trying to not delay it. But just, I, I wouldn't recognize. I didn't want to know the answer because I was still hurting. Yeah. And, you know, that thing about healing is when you stop thinking about yourself and you start trying to help somebody else, you help yourself. Yeah. And um. And uh. I was uh, when I was a copywriter, and actually I was in um. I was in 1987, I was in New York uh, and I worked for this um, company called Saatchi and Saatchi and, um, and I, they didn't really have anything for me to do, but they sent me to New York and I'm going, fine. Um, I'll, I'll take that one for the team. Uh, but I, I went to the library in the advertising agency and I just, you know, like some of the American writers are brilliant and I just uh, photocopied all the ads that I loved. Um, and like, and I spent weeks photocopying and there was one ad there. It was a picture of a man in a wheelchair, um, repairing a TV. And the headline said, this is a TV repairing a man. And I read it and I just saw, uh, oh, A, I'll never write anything as beautiful as that. And, and, and B I'm going, and in a way, you know, that's what Hyatt is doing for me.
0: Oh, so, it's, say it's, more.
2: it's, it's repairing me. Um, it's, it's getting my purpose back. It's, you know, it's driving me and, and I, but I appreciate now the importance of being like part of a team. And, and from when I was like the younger entrepreneur, it was all about me. And, mm. and, um, and now it's not all about me and and actually now I think of myself as the coach rather and and i, and I don't like the tag being a boss because I, you know i i'm going I, I ask questions now and i don't tell and 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 so it's been a really you know like being an entrepreneur is the best personal development program on the planet because unless you grow your business won't grow <laughs> And, and so I'm going, Oh, okay. And I like, so it's, it's, it's some of the best learning I've ever had, but like you, some of the best learning you ever had was not nice. It was tough.
0: As I often say, that's actually what growth feels like. Yeah. It's painful.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a real, you know, it's a tough one to take on the chin and, um, But when you see it as growth, then you think about it in a different way.
0: Yeah. Mm. I'll offer a bill on what you're saying, because I understand that Hyatt is healing you, but I'll warrant, and I don't have to visit, and someday I will visit, and I will walk the factory floor with you.
2: Hmm.
0: And I know in my heart that you're also healing them. Yes. And, and I will warrant that um, there's a part of you, you said before, my sister is also a nurse. I know that the, the also was referring to the fact that your mom is a nurse as well. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I want to, to offer to you a reflection you're healing. You're probably wired to not take that in. Yeah. Okay. I can sense it already. And Claire is whispering in my ear right now, saying, yeah. Tell him. Make sure he knows. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, um, because, you know, in some ways, you remind me of my friend Al Doan, whose uh, family company, the Missouri Star Quilt Company. In Hamilton, Missouri, uh, almost single-handedly, the, co- the family did revitalized and brought back this small little town by making it a center place, a centerpiece of the quilting phenomena in the United States, mm-hmm. and created uh, jobs for four hundred people where there were none. Mm-hmm. Right. Nice. Um, it, 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 it. What you're doing in that, that experience is a mutual healing. Yes. Right? And instead of a business being organized solely for economic prosperity, economic prosperity becomes the means for life prosperity. Yes. Right? So it's not a, it's not a point that we skip over. It's a necessary yes. condition. Right, because there's a point in pride, I imagine, to one of your employees, one of your colleagues, one of your coworkers, being able to again pay their bills when for a while they thought they might not be able to. Yeah, yeah, and that's healing as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the interesting thing is, we had a meeting on the Monday. And we said to the team before we, you know, stopped the factory, you know, during COVID, and we said to them, you know, was anyone feeling nervous? And and this was in the morning, and a couple of them said, look, we are, we're not feeling comfortable. So we said, look, we'll stop today, And but you've got to understand, we don't actually know how long this is going to be, and um, but we're going to do our best to um look after everybody um and do you know the hardest thing was and um not being able to like hug each other to say goodbye it was just it was just like nobody could hug each other to say goodbye and um and, uh, and this the hardest thing and I, I i wrote about it in the email to tell customers and I was literally crying when I was writing it, because and I'm sure I bet you do this, where you're writing things and you just you choke up. Uh, Absolutely. um, And uh, and and people say, "Oh God, I really felt that email." I'm going, "So
0: did I." (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'll speak on behalf because I'm a customer. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've got an order in for a third pair of pants which is yeah. okay if it's waiting. Yeah. And I felt your tears. Yeah. I felt your heart. I felt your care and concern. Mm. I didn't know the specifics, the heartbreaking specific of not being able to walk across a room and, yeah. and hug a Welshman.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But, but I could feel that that, you know in this and and we'll, we'll give a little context so here we are really early may i guess talking in this experience of covid this worldwide global experience and so here's this gorgeous expression of healing team coming together that now has to hit the pause button for who knows how long and You make this announcement and you can no longer guarantee when they'll come back. Mm. You okay? Mm. You're feeling it right now, aren't you?
2: Yeah, it's, um, you know, you spend a lot of time with people and, um, and yeah, work is work. And, but work is also—it's your community, and and you know, yes, you don't see them on the weekend, but you see them all week, and you know they're like your second family, um, yeah. and but you spend more time with your second family than your first family, and yeah. um, and you know also when you start something, and you know what it's like when you start on something, there's no guarantees you are um you go through the ebbs and you go through the flows and 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 then you go back through the ebbs and you know the flows and so you you are resilient and you've been through things and and because you've been through things together is you, you the bond is therefore tighter and stronger um and and yes, and all of a sudden like the good times come and then all of a sudden it's a pause and, and you fought so like crazy hard to get to the good times and then pause. And, um, and uh, you know, that's for the team, but you know, obviously greater context is there's an awful lot of people suffering out there right now. I think your your antenna is, is wired to feel it is there's a lot of you know hurt and pain and it's, um, and it is like the world has never seen such a pause. Um, and, and we're all watching on, in a way, helpless. Um, and that's the hardest thing is, where, what can you do? Um, and well, let me offer
0: something with regard to that. You're, you're right. I am wired to feel that pain. Um, but uh, I will share this. I am painfully optimistic Mm. i am painfully painful in the sense that i am feeling that Mm. as i often say uh how never in my life before have i been able to use the phrase all of humanity and mean it yeah Right. And now we get to use that phrase, not in some hyperbole or metaphorical ways, but in actual real ways. You know, uh, I was saying to you before that we need each other in ways that we never needed each other. We never knew that we need need each other. I need you to wear a mask. You need me to wear a mask. You're in Cardigan. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And yet I need you to do something physically with your life. So that I can stay safe, so that my children who are in New York can stay safe. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So that your Claire can stay safe. Yeah. So that we together can get through this, right? And yet there's something powerfully beautiful mm-hmm. about that experience. And, mm. and uh, I know that we have all been transformed. Mm. by this experience. And the optimism is, for God's sake, maybe now we will understand what it means to put people ahead of profits. Yes. Right? Maybe now we will no longer debate the trade-off between the climate and profit. Yeah. There is no debate. Mm. Not when humanity is at stake. So I take comfort, and it gives me a sense of agency Mm -hmm. when I can step into that optimism and say, uh, my shoulder is to the wheel. I am working day by day in the work that I know how to do, which is to reach out across the screen or to, to talk to someone on the phone until I can see them again in person And I can be a source of comfort and guidance and live into the truth of all that I have learned before. Mm -hmm. So I say that in response to the feeling of helplessness. Mm -hmm. Dave, you are not helpless. You just Uh, feel helpless.
2: Yes. Uh, And I, um, I think... What you just said was really powerful, and and I and I, I share that optimism as well. And I think um, we've had to rethink many things, and we've had to had the time to rethink them. Whether you run a business or you don't run a business, and it's um, and it's a very it's a very stark reminder of how much. Um, we need to look after each other, yeah. and 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 our oh, and there's always many communities. There's your your town, your your people, your. Yeah. <laughs> but that thing of business really used to be about um, looking after your community, mm-hmm. and somewhere along the way, it forgot, and 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 the planet is part of the community, <laughs> um, and and that silent shareholder. You know, we suddenly forget about, um, and then this has been that reminder. And um, and and if we don't use that reminder to change things, then you know, you know, we are fools. doing
0: and, and and it will be a tragedy if we do. Mm. I I, I want to update your story a little bit. I know from what you've shared already with me that. Actually, the factory is still doing some work. Is that right? Yeah,
2: we're, um, I mean, and, and this is really down to Claire and the team. They've, um, they're making scrubs for the NHS because there's a big shortage of, um, you know, uniforms to, um, and so um, we've got fabric. You know, the, some of the grandmasters have volunteered their time. We're buying the fabric, and, we're, and then we're giving the, um, the scrubs to the NHS for free um and um you know, and we're not making many, but we're doing something and um uh and it and right now it, it does feel very good to do something um and and, and you, the grandmasters want, want to help and you know and and you know before we 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 started this i mean we were talking about you know my mum who was a nurse, right. like she um she was speaking to Claire today and saying how proud she was and um and she's you know she wants to and she's not a rich woman by any means she's going, can I give some money to pay for some material and um and and she's going, you know I've never been so proud and and she spent her entire life as a nurse, so you know she knows what it's like you know um so i I think that's that that's certainly reminds me, I'm going, oh, that's, even if you do a little bit, it's a good bit. Um, and um, it, it, it's, you know, and the one thing I've learned from this is seeing the town trying to help each other. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it's like those small, oh, I can help you with this. I can help you with this. And, and uh, it's a real sense of coming together. And, and and trying to help each other and going well. Um, are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help? And that that, that, that has that hasn't been always there,
0: even no, in I, a small
2: town, a friendly town. I I, I
0: I was so moved by your statement. You know that about how business forgot its way, mm. and and how businesses forgot that we're supposed to actually, we're organized for the commonwealth. Yeah. You know, I mean, what difference is there between a factory and a shared sheep pasture Mm. where everybody could raise their sheep together and that the the, the pasture was taken care of, Mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, the commons, the, yeah, yeah. The, the sense that we're in this together, the land um, mm. and, and, and the notion, as you put it, of the earth as, as the invisible or perhaps not quite visible consciously to the eye shareholder.
2: Mm. Yeah. And it is a return to simple and it's a return to some values that actually we, we were incredibly important to us. And then I don't know what happened. Maybe we just got busy and forgot actually the things that we really cared about. And that sense of like disquiet is really the lack of fulfillment from being busy. Um, And actually I think one of the things that will oddly come out of this is like, it'll be okay for founders to say, yeah, I'm a slow growth company. Yeah. And then you go, oh, good for you. Because yeah. it was always the celebration of the fast company, and and you know like there's cues in nature, isn't it? Like the 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 tree that is the strongest wood is the slowest growth, and mm. um and 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 that's why pine is fast growth and, and it's not as strong as oak, and um and nature has all these incredible answers, and and you know the the tree, you know, the tree is really vulnerable when it's in full leaf to a, a summer storm, but it can survive the winter storm, and um, because it hasn't got no leaves on. And so there's there's all incredible answers around us, but we, we got you know we started believing that we were cleverer than anything else.
0: You know, um, I I couldn't agree more, and I'm reminded by your observations of a conversation I had with uh, my dear friend, Parker Palmer. And I, I don't know that I'll ever forget this. We were we were riffing, as we often do for a podcast, on the fact that, that as as I am now sliding into elderhood, and God bless him, he's 80, so he's a little bit further along than I am into elderhood, <laughs> how we're both approached by people trying to answer the question, Uh, What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of my life? And um, this whole conversation, I've been thinking about what we concluded at that point, which was that that's actually not the question. The question is, how have I been kind? Yes. And how have I taken care? And so I'll expand upon that. You know, for me, the thing that seemed to have been missing for you was the purpose derived from taking care of others, mm. or the or, or the or the healing derived from the purpose being to take care, to create mm-hmm. a business whose purpose, whose business purpose, was to put was to enable the employees to put food on the table, send yeah. their children to school, yeah. repair a leak in the roof.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, pay a doctor's bill. To 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 be kind to one
2: another. Yes, and it's and I think you really hit the or got to the the truth there because when you're helping each other and and you know when there's a a, a group of people. Sometimes some people are flourishing and some people are hurting. And, and when there's happened at the factory and we've helped people, I've got more out of that than anything I've done in business. And, and you do it quietly. Nobody really knows. Uh, you're helping people and they know. Um, and they won't talk about it anyway. Um, but when you, and you see somebody who is really down in the dumps, in you know, a quite significant way come out of that because you give them, um, just that basically you said that you care. Yeah. And, and it's not about anything other than even sometimes just spending a half an hour and having a conversation. And, um, and I think we've, we have lost our way in that thing of we celebrate founders for growth, but not for, for kindness. And, um, and, and I've refocused my like, business heroes in a very different way now. Um, and you know, like when people look after their team, I, I think very highly of them. And um, you know, because you know, there are humans amongst us, and, um, and I think um, and having kindness for another human being is a beautiful thing. And, and I think that should be one of the, the the reasons to run a business, to look after your people, and to grow your people um and um, and to give them that confidence about you know and the one thing, one sound I keep hearing and I've, and i didn't hear the sound is when the factory gates closed, I can hear the sound that wasn't there. was the clunk of the factory gates when they closed the gates for the last time, but to give people hope again is significant doing and that thing of going and um and you know when we lost our way we knew how miserable that felt and and so and then part of that thing is going well actually building this incredible melting pot of people and we're all getting um, we're all helping each other, and there's nothing better than helping each, each other. Do you mean that, that feeling? How was your day? It was really good. Yeah, it was actually really good. It was one of the best days I've ever had. Oh, why? Oh, well, this happened and this happened. And, and they're, they're classed as small things, and, and yet what we're discovering is actually those small little bits of kindness that are actually the big things. And, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, actually.
0: It is indeed. And I'll start to wrap us now by making this observation. that You know, I often speak about how better humans make better leaders. So I want you to know, Dave, I see your leadership through your humanity. I see the good man that you are. Hmm. And I deeply appreciate it from all the way here in Boulder, Colorado. I see you. And uh, please you. let the people in Cardigan know that we see them.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations and leave us a review on itunes that's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done and don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io sign up so you never miss an episode thank you for listening we often talk about the value of relationships in mirroring back to us our blind spots. Now, all honest feedback is valuable, and it's great if your culture supports a constant flow of feedback. But it's often helpful for leaders to take deeper dives into radical self-inquiry, giving themselves focused and intentional space to examine the patterns of behavior that are either serving them or not serving their teams and their missions. 360 reviews are a really powerful tool that can help leaders make course corrections, supporting both individual growth and the growth of the company. While there are many approaches to 360s out there, what we have found to be the most helpful to our clients is to approach the 360s as an extension of the coaching conversation. Most leaders don't care how they rate numerically on a list of abstract capacities. And even if they do, it's tough for them to really know how to make use of that kind of data. But if they can hear through the voices of their colleagues, how their behavior is making impact, and if they can be helped by a coach to see more clearly the choices available to them for change, the benefits can be immense. If you'd like to learn more about Reboot 360s, you can go to reboot.io slash 360.